drink and dance all night. Now let's talk of diapers and pacifiers and our pants are feeling tight. Bottle service with BKP. Bottle service with BKP. Hi everyone, welcome to a new year and a new episode of Bottle Service. Welcome. First episode of 2024. Let's freaking do this. Um, I I figured we're going to come back here. We're going to come back this year um, and talk a little bit about resolutions and milestones. Now, if you ever listen to my original podcast, Big Kid Problems, or know me or like follow me on Instagram, you know that like the New Year's season has always been a big deal for me. Like I am somebody who consistently like is a little crazy around New Year's. Like I set crazy goals. I set resolutions. I'm super into it. I like not only set resolutions and goals, but I like make detailed plans on how to get them. I'm like a big like overachiever Virgo planner kind of bitch. And ever since having a kid, let me tell you like that has kind of gone out the window, but like in an in a good way, honestly. I mean, the the year I got pregnant, I mean, I didn't know, I didn't realize when I got pregnant just how much it was going to affect me, like mentally, physically, emotionally. And pretty much all my goals for the year went out the window <laughs> that year. And then last year when Bodhi was like 10 months, I want to say, was at the start of 2023, was the first year in my life really that I like didn't set resolutions. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. Like I, I really just want to focus on like being present on, I want to focus on surviving. I want to focus on just, you know, like being a mom and like, that's going to change every single day. So last year was the first year that I like really didn't set resolutions. And I got to tell you, I felt pretty good. And, and I wanted to like, just kick this episode off by saying that, like, if you're somebody who is pregnant or has a small baby at home or planning for a pregnancy, whatever it is, like, I want you to know it is very much okay to like not partake in resolutions this year. And in fact, I'm going to recommend it highly. That's just, that's just, I want to give you the grace. I want to give you the permission to just say, nope, (laughs) and keep it moving you know that really helped me last year and then like this year my I'll say like my pretty much only big resolution that I am setting is like I want to get pregnant again I want to have baby number two um and so because I want to do that and because I've done this before I know how much um effort that is gonna take like I'm not gonna also take this year to like try and run a marathon or like start a new business or like do anything crazy. Like I really just kind of want to focus on like, you know, raising my toddler and trying to get pregnant and hopefully bringing a new baby into the world. Like that's enough, you know, like that's enough. That's kind of, if you've been listening to the show, you've probably heard me say that before. That's kind of been my mantra for this year is like, you're doing enough. And that's kind of the energy I'm bringing into 2024. You're welcome. You're welcome to it if if you want to partake in that as well. And if not, I mean, if you're somebody who like still has a ton of energy and like wants to set goals, wants to keep crushing it, like you do you, girl. Like I respect the hell out of that. And I hope to get back to that one day. But right now, this season of life, I ain't there. 
I'm not there. And wherever you are, that's just, just, just honor it, you know? Okay. So on the topic of resolutions and like life milestones, I figured this would be a good week to drop this episode. Um, We're going to talk about physical milestones for babies and toddlers today and how parents can support those. So we are very lucky to have on two amazing experts today, pediatric physical therapist, Dr. Emily Heisey and Dr. Matt Ottoman are in the house. You may know them from Instagram at Connective Kids. They have over half a million followers. They are known for their viral tips on child motor development, where they've empowered millions of parents to help their children enhance gross motor skills. Today, we're going to talk about physical milestones, developmental delays, reflux, tips for parents. And we'll even talk about enhancing motor development if you're like trying to make some little athletes out there, which is something I'm very interested in because mama likes a box seat. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And without further ado, let's welcome Dr. Emily Heisey and Dr. Matt Ottoman to the show. Guys, welcome. Thanks so much for having us. us. Thank you. I'm very excited for our episode today. I, first, I feel like I just want to get a little bit of background on you guys. Um, tell us, like, why did you get into pediatric development and, like, what is Connective Kids? Yeah. Um, so um, bear with me because I do have a little bit of a cold. And so while it does sound sexy and, like, Phoebe Foo Fayish, <laughs> um, it may be hard to hear, but we're going to go with it. Okay. So um, I am a pediatric physical therapist. I've been treating for about four. 14 years. I have two little girls. My husband is also a physical therapist, but about three years ago, I started um, Connective Kids on Instagram, mainly because I just wanted to simplify development and put more information out there. Up until that point, especially with my own daughters, I was like looking on Pinterest Mm -hmm. for like what to do with my three month old, because that's how my brain worked. And there was nothing out there. And I just thought there has to be more. And so when I started, there was maybe a handful of um, gross motor accounts out there. And I wanted to present it in a way that seemed really digestible, tangible, and kind of funny and sassy at the same time. Um, Fast forward, let's see, three years after that, um, we have a brick and mortar. (laughs) And um, the rest is kind of history. We work with kiddos that are typical or atypical, but really we're just trying to allow the children to have their most independence, no matter what stage they're at. Yeah. And I, I did not want to be a pediatric chiropractor. Uh, I grew up and played baseball, uh, part of my background. And I was like, I'm going to be a sports chiropractor and that's all I want to do. And, and then I had kids and I came across her page and she was just right down the street and it was like total God thing. Like, okay, um, this is perfect. I'm going to reach out to her. Um, and that was back in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, um, where we first started connecting. And then we started sharing patients back and forth. And she's like, you're really good at this pediatric thing. You should be a pediatric chiropractor. I'm like, no, he's like, no, I don't do that. I don't work with children. I'm like, well, you're gonna. And, uh, and I think it just over time evolved and I've taken my kind of sports and, and movement focused background and put it in a way that maybe is outside of some of the norm with pediatric chiropractic. And when it goes together with physical therapy, it just makes this beautiful like system. Symbiotic relationship. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I know as a parent, um, this is something like I didn't really plan for, you know, before having a baby. And then, you know, you start taking your little one to these, uh, pediatrician appointments and they're like, are you do, are they doing this? Are they doing this? And, and there's all these like milestones that you're trying, you want to hit, but you don't, I, I feel like sometimes like I would get so nervous. I'd be like, oh, well, my kid isn't waving yet or they're not crawling yet or what's happening here. I'd love to just maybe give this audience a little bit of, you know, tell us like what are some of the milestones like parents should be aware of, you know, for baby and toddler and like maybe give us like a few high level tips on like sure. how we can kind of support those. Cool. Yes. So first and foremost, um, the way God's set up, uh, these milestones, you have a grace period of like, there's like a sliding scale of two to three months either way. Okay. So that's, what's nice. So there is no hard and fast four months, five months, six months. I mean, textbook says that, but let me just say, that's not how life is. Okay. So typically, um, some big milestones, um, your child should be starting to emerge sitting, um, with like a straight back around the six to seven month mark. Again, they may do it earlier. They may do it later, um, but it really isn't anything that's delayed until about eight, nine months. Okay, so crawling around 10 to 11 months, starting to walk anywhere from 12 to 16, 17 months really is within the typical time frame. Um, and the best way to really kind of facilitate these things at home it's not like you have to practice and you know make them do drills to get them to walk and do all these things it's what i call purposeful play it's what i did with my daughter it really was just me trying to be purposeful and do something that kind of helped with her development let me give you an example so if we were trying to work on sitting i would like give her something to put in front of her so she could put her hands on it so that would help her to sit upright um little things like that if we were working on rolling, I would just help her work on turning her head to the right and to the left. Little things that you don't think about, but can be a huge difference, can make a huge difference when it comes to their development. Yeah. And I think one thing to touch on with this, there's a study that came out that 69% of moms felt that if their child was delayed or not hitting milestones, that that was a direct reflection of their parenting skills. And so I think one thing that we really want to get across here is just the power of education, because there's also another study that said that three quarters of parents believe they know when milestones are supposed to be hit, but really only 44% got those numbers right. So we're setting these high expectations of like, oh, we're, you know, comparison society and all of that. But really, if we can educate into the facts, you can equip yourself as a, as a parent so that you can feel a little bit better. You can, you know, and mom says, oh, you know, Timmy's not doing something yet. What's going on with that? You can then come back with them and be like, look, that's not actually supposed to happen until blah, 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 blah. We're doing things at home to help facilitate that. But really, everything child is a little bit different. Yeah. Well, that's why I really like your account is like, it just gives little tips that you can do at home and it's so easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I wish like, I wish there was a textbook or something where there, you know, people just had to be like, this is what you should be doing with your kids. Cause you don't know what you don't know. Um, I know like my son had uh torticollis really, really mm -hmm. early on where he was just like facing, you know, he always just favored one side of his head and he was starting mm -hmm. to get a flat spot. And it was like, as simple as, you know, so my pediatrician was like, yeah, just turn him around in the crib so that he starts facing the other way. Cause naturally yeah. he's going to look towards the door. 
And it's like, oh, okay, that was easy, you know? <laughs> and there's um, so many tips and tricks like that that are – and but they weren't accessible. I mean, my my oldest daughter is eight right now, um, but they weren't accessible then. And that's what I, I'm hoping has kind of changed through social media and these platforms. You want a good way to support a new mom? How about let her kick back and have some fun without the fear of paying for it the next day? I'm talking, of course, about morning recovery from more labs. Guys, if you want to recover faster after a night of drinking, you need some morning recovery in your life. It helps speed up the breakdown of alcohol-induced toxins. All you have to do is drink one little bottle of morning recovery the night you're drinking and let their proprietary blend of electrolytes and vitamins rehydrate and restore lost nutrients so you can wake up ready to take on whatever motherhood has in store for you. I absolutely love these. I feel like I'm at a point in my life where I just can't afford to feel like crap after a night of drinking. So these really come in handy and you can save 20% and support this show at the same time when you use code BIGKID at checkout. 20% off. That is a nice little savings, guys. So don't let rough mornings after drinking dampen the next day. Drink smarter with morning recovery at morelabs.com slash BIGKID. And again, use code BIGKID for 20% off your order. Cheers. Well, I'd love, I feel like this would be a good opportunity to maybe like, maybe we just talk about a couple ways to support um, specific milestones for anybody who's listening, who like maybe wants to try some of this stuff. Sure. That's great. Yeah. So, okay. Um, Let's go with, let's go with sitting. Sitting is a big one because it marks independence in that child's life. Also, they're no longer like a little amoeba. They'll like look at you and smile and be sweet and you're like oh my god I have a baby they like they love me so it's um, easier with feeding if you're doing kind of like baby led weaning um sitting is a is a big part you you should have some some controlled sitting and good head control before you try any solids so a couple things you can do when they're laying on their back bring their feet up to their mouth so that they start trying to bring a midline so they start like eating their feet this is going to start developing those tummy muscles and allow them to fire both the tummy muscles and the back muscles at the same time so they don't fall back when they're sitting. Um, another thing you can do is to help that beautiful posture is get them just sitting in front of you. You're at the dinner table, have them sit, you're holding them at their um, trunk, have them look at you. And that kind of helps with head control and that emerging um, extended back. So just little things throughout your day. Mm-hmm. Are they sitting on the table with like their feet dangling or uh-huh. like in a chair? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So just like trying to get the visual. Little, yeah. I have like my little baby Trina, which is like my uh, stuffed doll, whatever. But, um, but yes, they're sitting those feet off by doing that. It's going to shift the hips and the pelvis forward and allow them to really extend their back and kiddos, even starting as young as six to eight weeks inherently want to be vertical. And so supporting them in that position is not detrimental at all to their development of their spine. It's actually encouraged. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, when it comes to sitting up, I remember like getting like my mother-in-law got us these little like chairs for them to sit on. And then like someone, like I posted a story of it and someone was in my DMS, like those are terrible for kids. Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Um, and like, is there, should you not have them in for too long? Like what, what are your thoughts? I think there's different, there's different um, types of chairs or, or, you know, containers that, that kids can go in. And there's definitely a time and a place for it. It is good because another thing with sitting is getting them interacting with their hands. Arms is something that will limit 
kids from sitting if they're not using their arms mm -hmm. properly. Um, so they could, you could have a, a you know, a container um, that has a little tray on it and you can put a little suction toy there and they can start to play with it. They're supported at their waist, but they're using their arms, bringing it midline and it's a stationary item. So that's going to be something that's really important. Now, I don't, you don't want to have them in the container, you know, for too long. Um, but it's definitely something that is encouraged. You can do vertical play in a container to help with some of these other areas. Well, and to your, um, your comment, like what kind of, you know, chair is it? So there's the old school Bumbo, right. That has like the little kind of dump seats. Um, and then there's the updated one, the Bumbo multi-seat, which keeps their pelvis nice and neutral. And so they're not like dumped into it like this, you know, all scrunched over. Um, so there's different kind of seats out there that actually promote proper um, posture as opposed to what back in the day they had. So it may be this type of chair. Okay. If you guys have one that you like, um, yeah. let me know and I'll, I'll put it in our show notes just so like people can get a visual and like see what, you know. Yeah. We like, um, we like the Bumbo multi-seat and the up seat. Okay, cool. Guys, I will link that in show notes. So it's easy to find. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Other than sitting, I know, um, to go backwards a little bit, tummy time is like one of the big things that um, I know a lot of parents are like, I especially starting out tummy time. I was like, this is horrendous. Like, you know, like it looks like you're torturing your baby. Um, they cry. It like it can hurt. What are what are some tips that you guys have around tummy time? Yeah. Um. Well, first and foremost, tummy time, like any other position, being on their back, being on their side, being in vertical, like anything in excess is a bad thing. So don't feel like tummy time, tummy time, tummy time is the only thing you need to, that you have to do because they ain't going to love it. So um, equal time in all different positions is also great. But when you are doing tummy time, keeping those shoulders higher than the hips is going to be huge. What does that mean? If you have them, you can put them over your legs to where their legs are hanging on the floor and their elbows are tucked up um, on top of your leg or over a boppy pillow, but you have to kind of give them a little bit of assistance, um, so that they're not just trying to lift their head against gravity and, you know, it's just too hard and they're just crying out and screaming. So, yeah. And I would say tummy time is one of the things, you know, think of it. If you, if you were, you know, think back to when you were a baby, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> you're all scrunched up for, for nine months and then you come out and you're automatically put up, you know, you should be put on your stomach. Uh, for tummy time. So you're going from this scrunched position for nine months. And then all of a sudden you have, you're kind of being forced to lengthen out uh, and get into your belly. So that's actually one of the areas that if it's tummy time is consistently an issue, it's one of the areas that I would say it would be good that I look for as a pediatric chiropractor to maybe look for some restrictions or some tightnesses that are going on that aren't kind of you know, the child should work through them on their own, but if they're getting stuck and need a little bit of help, uh, it may be a good time to see a pediatric chiropractor. Yeah. And there's tummy time could be a lot of different things. You could be holding them on their belly, right? You can lay them over your lap. Mm -hmm. um, you can lay them on your chest, um, but it doesn't mean stick them down on the floor and let them just go for it. Mm -hmm. So just know that tummy time can mean a whole lot of things. Yeah. When do you guys suggest starting tummy time? Are we talking like days after birth or yeah, like, like day one, day one? Yeah. Day one. Okay. But you, it, you're, you're only going to be able to do it. Maybe it may be three minutes the first time and that's okay. Yeah. Um, you know, they're going to be upset. 
and that's okay too. But you know, as as much as your you know parent heart can take, and then eventually they will work through it. And it's just again, that's one of that like, hey, welcome to the world. You're gonna have to deal with tough times, <laughs> but but you're gonna have parents there to support you as well. But yes, I mean, again, I promise something as simple as getting those shoulders higher than the hips, tucking those arms up underneath them, there'll be a happy camper. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did something on your page that was like, you put like a towel under yeah. their chest just to uh-huh. lift them up a little bit. And I feel like that, that helps. Huge difference. Well, yeah. That's going to that's be great. Especially kids. Um, if they have reflux and they, they, you know, anytime they go on their stomach and they automatically spit up, getting them a little bit more vertical is going to be helpful. Yeah. Can you talk about reflux for a second? Because that's something I know that we, um, we struggled with and actually we got an adjustment for our baby because of reflux. Yeah. We can, how long, how long do you have? Give us the cliff notes. <laughs> yeah. We actually just did um, a, a webinar. whole webinar for clinicians. So we educate other chiropractors and PTs, OTs, pediatricians mm-hmm. even. Um, and we just did a whole webinar on the cascade that reflux causes. So basically, um, reflux, you're going to see some common things like tightness in the upper back where they're really stiff into extension where they're, they're, they're arching backwards with their upper back. What that does, it elevates the rib cage, which then basically it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg, it's going to encourage reflux because they're not able to keep things down. So as clinicians, we need to do things to, to prevent that. But, um, yeah, as far as reflux, I would say, what do you think? Being, okay, so you said your little one had torticollis, right? Uh-huh. They go hand in hand, um, mainly because if you have that painful stimuli, like in your belly, you're going to like crunch down towards it to the left side, and then you're going to want to push away from it and rotate to the right. And so they'll go together. And even just having that tightness, my own daughter included, um, she didn't have torticollis, but she got so much hip tightness that she was delayed in crawling. Um, and this is like Heidi's story was kind of the impetus for starting to um, connected kids because I was like, what is wrong? And something as simple as, you know, reflux could really have this cascade of events. So being really mindful of um trying to get them in the sideline position to where they're comfortable and that'll help bringing their hands together, um, getting them on an exercise ball and to do tummy time because it's going to take some of that weight and that pressure off their belly mm-hmm. um, or some little things that you can do. Yeah. I think the, the couple key areas that if you're going to, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're struggling with your little one struggling with reflux, I think, like she said, trying to bring things midline. So bringing the hands in into the middle and also tuck, your chin. So early on, that may be as simple as just bringing their eyes to look down. So maybe you put, you know, a toy, something, uh, cards, a book, light spinner, your face down, something that they want to look at, put it down around their belly button. And just having them drop their eyes down will help facilitate the tummy muscles to start activating and help break up some of that cascade of events. Yep. Oh, interesting. Okay. So this isn't like during a feed or anything. This is like after or yeah. before doing some, some exercises like this. Um, what about like in, in a feed, um, any suggestions around that to help like prevent, um, reflux? Like I remember my mother-in-law telling me to like burp them throughout, um, the feed. I don't know if you have any other tips that could help no, with reducing I don't reducing think any research, research has any 
has said that one thing over the other is a gold standard when it comes to feeding. For my daughter, it was she wouldn't finish the bottle. So it took quite literally an hour um, to get her to even finish the bottle, which could be another you know sign of reflux. But I think just um, giving them time after, you know, that 10 to 15 minutes after they've eaten to be upright, that's kind of the, your best case scenario. But when it comes to feeding, I mean, they're either going to go quick or not, depending on the nipple size and if you're breastfeeding. There's so many scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. Okay, but that's that's good to know that, like, if your baby is having a lot of reflux, like, you might want to look into, like, structurally doing some things to kind of help um, yeah. that. Because I that, that wouldn't – that wouldn't – I wouldn't think that, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being a new parent, it's like, oh, okay, maybe I can help – I can help by doing some stretches or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk about crawling for a second because that's another big milestone. Um, and I know you mentioned Emily that like your child had some, a little bit of difficulty with this. Is there anything we can do as parents to kind of help, um, facilitate this? Yeah. I mean, being, um, like I said earlier, being in all these different positions, um, and not just getting stuck in one position, meaning instead of doing tummy time, you know, for every single one of their wake times, you know, have them play on their back because back play, bringing their feet up to their mouth, being able to roll from their back to their tummy. All of these are developing the trunk muscles and their abdominal muscles. Um, And more than anything, those strong shoulder girdle muscles. So one of the biggest predictors um, of sitting is being able to push through their arms. And they have to be able to do that in order to crawl as well. So um, parents will always say, well, you know, my child, they never rolled and they can't really sit, but they're crawling. That's where you'll get kind of some funny like army crawling and stuff. So, um, but just being, you know, really mindful of just putting them in different positions and then their body will kind of get out of the way of itself and start to do what it needs to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. My, my little guy was a big army crawler. Yeah. And that's probably comes, comes from some of that tightness too with the torticollis and the reflux. They didn't want to push through their arms. So pushing through their arms actually if you want to simplify everything, <laughs> just making sure that they can push through their forearms on their belly, on their tummy, and do that independently, you're setting them up for success right there. Mm-hmm. So you're actually like putting their el- their their um, arms. I, yes. This is so hard to explain in a podcast. <laughs> you know, it's like I know that guys. I'm gonna like link their um, account in on social media too because I promise so much sense. to see. Yes. Yeah. So, so think about this. So it's just like an adult. You always want to kind of look at biomechanics. So you want the elbows to be in line with the shoulders. Okay. So that when they push, they're able to lift their head and look around. And it's like, it's easy for them to do it. Whereas you don't want those arms straight out in front of them. Right. Because then they're just kind of like straining to look up. So if, if you're um, as an adult, I always think, okay, what does it look like? What does it feel to be on my forearms and to push up and look around? And what's the easiest? So if you do it yourself, then you kind of know what's easiest for them. And so again, having your arms closer to your body, being able to push through more of a um, support surface as compared to the hand, you're going to set yourself up for success. Okay. So it's like a forearm plank, uh-huh. like just to kind of give exactly people, like a just, forearm. just to kind of give people a visual. Okay. Yeah. That's um, in crawling, because I know like there can be some janky crawls, you know, mm-hmm. like I'll, you could see, um, you know, maybe uh, babies like walking with like one knee down, one foot yeah. up. Um, if you start to see any of that where it looks a little janky, like what can you do to kind of help them out? 
So I would say, yeah, you'll see some signs before you get to the crawling point. So we call them transitions. Basically, how are they getting in and out of the sitting position? And if they're only going over one side, so they're only uh, transitioning over the left leg, they're in sitting position, they see a toy, and they always go to the left to get out of sitting. And maybe they go on their belly. Um, maybe they, uh, put one arm down and play with the toy and then come back up to sitting, but they're always going to the left side. That's telling you that there's an asymmetry going on. Um, anytime that there's an asymmetry, you're going to, it's that cascade of events that happens with, you know, a transitional movement turns into crawling. They have a tightness on one side. Yeah. You're going to see that. So I would say the, the, the best thing that you can do as a parent to try and stop some of that janky crawl is look at how they're moving, how they're transitioning, uh, and make sure that they're transition going both directions. Yeah, just sy- symmetry. Like have them do everything on both sides. If they're rolling to the left, roll to the right too. If they're always getting a toy on the left, put those toys on the right so they go to the right to grab them. Um, mm. Little things, and so that you are creating symmetry in their world. And that is going to take them out of any predisposed tightness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely my little guy um, favored the one side. So that was like something that helped so much. Like even just kind of what I mentioned earlier, like um, he always babies will like look towards the door and their crib. So even just flipping him around so that he would turn his head to the other way to look towards the door yeah. um, helped right. us a ton. And it's just like sim- simple little things like that can go really a long way. And it, and it all starts, especially that, you know, Portocollis early on, if they're you're seeing a they're favoring nursing on one side because children learn how to interact with the world through their mouth. That's how they develop. So if they're only if they're from early on have a restriction where they're favoring looking to the left, there unless you do something to stop that or break that cascade of happening, you may see those tightnesses come, uh, you know, with each milestone, with mm-hmm. each growth spurt, um, and that's where purposeful play, making sure that symmetrical movements is really important. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about a couple of things, um, obviously purposeful play, doing things as a parent that can kind of help, um, with development. Is there any mistakes that parents do that you see that like could hurt development? I mean, like I'm, I think we can all say that we've done some really <laughs> stupid things. Like, um, I remember when Hannah was two months old, I put her in the car seat and I was like, I don't need to buckle her in. Cause we're going to go for a walk, you know, the little snap and go. Um, and then I picked her up. We started walking and she slipped out onto the floor. So that probably wasn't <laughs> helpful um, as a parent. Um, I think the best thing about kids is they are, they're scrappy. They are invincible. They, it's going to be hard to kind of wreck them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank God for that. Right. Bless. Right. Right. Yeah. I think the, yeah, you're not, if you know, play with your, play with your kids through purposeful play if you're interacting with them you're doing a great job i don't think as far as you know common mistakes um things that we see so let's talk more like therapy side for a second so the people that come into us for a delay in gross motor so not just your typical development but uh somebody that comes in with uh, a torticollis or a delay um or a genetic issue that they're that they're struggling with um you know we're going to talk about, okay, what, what, how are you carrying them? What are some of the positions that you're putting them in as a parent? And as long as, like she said early on, you're transitioning through different play positions, you're doing a great job. 
Um, the issue that we see a lot in therapy is maybe there are too many containers. Maybe they're in sleeping, um, they're in a, a device that doesn't allow their trunk to move. So yeah. they only lay on one side of their head, um, you know, things like that. So I think, again, hitting a little bit of everything, you're doing just fine. If you're, yeah. if you're doing, you know, the same thing over and over and over, that's when you're going to develop asymmetries. And that's when you can see delays. Basically knowledge is power and getting that knowledge from other avenues other than these big brands that are trying to sell you their products, right? They're sleeping um, bassinets or, you know, use this um, to help prevent X, Y, Z. Just having knowledge and getting out there, you'll feel empowered as a parent and you will feel like, hey, I'm doing all the things. Yeah. Speaking of empowerment, um, I feel like, especially... (laughs) When you're around other people with their kids who might have similar ages, it can just be like really, I feel like this is just kind of natural. Like we, we kind of get competitive, especially when it comes to like these milestones. Like if you see some, some other kid that your friend, like if your friend has a baby the same age and they're doing things or walking or doing stuff and your baby's not like, it can be hard not to compare. Um, Yeah. Like, do you have any tips for us parents out there who are maybe feeling a little bit of that? Yeah, I mean, the the hard part is that that's kind of society right now. And I feel like no matter if your kiddo was advanced or if, if they're delayed, you always kind of inherently feel that like guilt. I always say that like as a mom, you don't have to tell me like I'm doing anything right or wrong because I always typically think I'm probably not doing it great most of the time just because we're so hard on ourselves. Um, I would say that... that um, Kiddos will do it in their own time. And if you are, you know, just focusing on just doing these little things like we were talking about um, today through the podcast is, you know, putting them in different positions, playing with them, you know, they will catch up. They will do all the things and just being knowledgeable of when those motor milestones happen and that there's a grace period of like three to four months. So if they're walking, that is great. Um, but also, um, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy this time with them crawling because I know your child's in everything right now. So that sucks. I mean, (laughs) it's the truth. Yeah. I I'd say, you know, I, you can't control what other people are doing. Right. But all you, as a parent, all you can do is focus on what you can do. So, you know, they may be crawling for me. It always, always felt good to be able, I'm a planner, like, you know, like I I need a, I need a structure and a plan. And like, I'm, I'm good with that. And that plan may be like, let's just get to tomorrow and that's fine, but I need something. So if I had, okay, maybe they're not crawling. And I noticed that another child is crawling in the same classroom at daycare. Um, you know, I'm going to, as long as I'm having things to do at home, I'm working towards it. I'm good. That makes me feel like, okay, I'm doing my job. I can't control that that you know little timmy is crawling already but i i can at least go to sleep at night saying i'm doing everything i can for my job yeah 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 and i think like just having peace about it like i know i i personally had walking delays i had like a bunch of foot issues as a little baby so i was like the last one out you know that was walking yeah. crawling doing all the things as a baby and like I'm totally fine like you would never know yeah. <laughs> looking at me now totally. that I had any of that so like I feel like I it almost helped me when I with my little guy like if he was like he was kind of slow to crawl and he was doing a lot of this stuff I was just kind of like he's good you know it's all gonna come out in the wash kind of thing like if yes. it takes a little extra time it's fine 
I was I like two, well, like still not crawling. So it was, you know, it's going to be fine. It's going to well, be okay. Like my, my, both of my girls are like diametrically opposed. Um, Hannah started walking at 11 months. Um, Heidi could not even crawl until 12 months. Um, and right now they're both thriving little girls. And so they, they all catch up. Um, and it's just, yeah, being aware of maybe are we to the point to where they're not doing it and, and we're that far along in development, maybe we can do something to help it out or we need to chill out. And there's nothing wrong in getting an evaluation with a Cairo or a PT near you. Like, I think a good rule of thumb is if it's something that you've thought of like three times, go, go see somebody. Yeah. If it's taking right in your head, <laughs> maybe go figure it out. Um, but other than that, you good. Yeah. Yeah. That was going to be my, my last question for you guys. Like at what point do you actually seek help or like, is it, is, should we have some alarm bells going off? We're like, Oh, maybe this isn't normal. For me, it is like three, three things. Um, and I'm just gonna be like hard and fast ones, which is what I tell parents. So if like your child is not even attempting to sit upright by eight months, that would be a bit of a red flag. If your child isn't crawling or up on the hands and knees position by 12 months, and if they are not taking independent steps by 17 to 18 months, maybe let's look into it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think with, uh, I think reflux, if you're struggling with reflux, I think that's a great opportunity to get ahead of some things. I, I think again, as the chiropractor, I, I tend to gear towards more like the proactive side, um, and trying to do things, uh, proactively. So if it's, if you're dealing with reflux, the torticollis, um, you know, things like that, you're definitely going to want to be doing something because you can do the stretches. I listened to your episode where you were talking talking about how awful those stretches yeah. were that you were, that you had to do with your, your own little one. And if that's something that's, that's really hard and it's, you know, you want to just love on your baby, like go see, go, go have somebody else do the stretches for you. <laughs> that's actually, yeah, that's, that's helpful to know. Like if it's, if it's really like painful and hurting your heart, like maybe yeah. that, that is a good uh, opportunity. Um, okay. This is kind of a random question. I know we're wrapping up and like, <laughs> goes against what we were just talking about competitive wise, but we, I know we've been talking about like making sure your baby hits milestones up until this point. What if we're trying to like, what if we're trying to like raise little athletes? What if we're trying to make the next tiger woods or like a, you know, <laughs> really like exceed, um, you know, physical situations. I, Matt, I know you come from the yeah. sports world. Like I'd love, like, are there any little tips we can do anything that we can, I know like my husband already went out, we have an 18 month old and like my husband already went and got these like colorful, um, stools where he can like balance himself on. Like we're, we're crazy. We're trying to do like the most, <laughs> um, what, is there anything that you see out there that's like actually helpful? Yeah, I'd say, so I actually played a little professional baseball, um, in the Mariners organization. So, and I, I ended up playing starting baseball at nine, which is a little bit later um, than the usual, especially down here in, where we are in Texas. Um, now, looking back on it and knowing what I know now, I would say that the key things you can start them off early on. I think um, I think sports are are, are great, um, but I would say have them interact with different balls. It doesn't matter the size of ball, um, different. Um, have them throw things at targets. Have them, don't don't worry about like right arm, left arm. Like try different things. If you want to be a golfer, like I'm trying to get my girls to be, um, give them a golf club and don't worry about them 
being perfect at it. Just let them like interact with toys, let them interact with the world, let them move their body. Cause the more that they move, you really want to develop, you know, <laughs> I want to develop athletes. <laughs> so I want them to be very aware of where their body is in space. So I want them to, to move. And then as you get older, I would say, don't get stuck in one sport. Um, I would say play multiple sports because you never know. You don't want to get stuck in one path where you could help other avenues of, you know, maybe you're going to be great at baseball at the end of the day, but don't feel like you only have to play baseball. You want to try tennis, go play tennis. You want to do golf, golf, go run, like do different things. And I think, yeah. you, I think you're going to set them up for success. Okay. That's good to know. My, my husband played football. And so like we, you know, he has a predisposition for that, but I'm like, let's get him into golf. Let's get him into <laughs> low contact sports. I'm like really pushing golf. Um, <laughs> guys. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today and, and giving us a little bit more of this information. If we want to learn more from you, if people want to find you, um, where can we, where can we get more from you guys? Yeah. So you can go to connectivekids.com. There we have a, a bunch of free resources. Uh, and then we also have our connective community where you can interact and do personal play stuff, but you can get all of that on our website. And then obviously our Instagram connective connective underscore kids. Underscore kids. Uh, and that'll give you a lot of information. And then mine's Dr. Otto DC, uh, more chiropractic. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to link all of that in show notes, guys. Thank you so much for coming on and thank you listeners for bumping along with us. Bye.